Hello, hello, lovely people, and welcome into That Sounds Gay. My name is Jer, and I will be your podcast host for the next little while. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode for any of you who are sort of uh, true crime buffs or or enjoy that type of content. Um, I had a lot of fun filming that, and it was, was such a good time getting to research all of it years ago when I first started it and it it was very cool to finally get to tell this story because I've been wanting to for a long time and I've just been holding off holding off holding off and I think there was something inside of me that was like I don't know scared to dip my toe into that water because true crime is something that's again so fascinating to me as someone who studied psychology and I was worried that maybe people wouldn't be receptive to it but the amount of people who said that they they loved hearing the story and they loved learning about it, it made me very happy. So I might I might do a couple more true crime things in the future if I find some stuff that I, I think is interesting. And again, I do not think the act of what happened was interesting. Obviously, like it's all awful, but just the how someone gets where they're at and what the effects are outside of them, the community effects, the global effects, those types of things are so fascinating to me as someone who enjoys the mind. And it was it was just cool. It was cool to share it. So I hope you enjoyed it. But uh, yeah, I hope you had a good week. I have been turning literally all the way up to Boulay Brothers Dragula. And if you are a queer person who likes some spooky stuff, Dragula is pretty fantastic. So Dragula is a sort of underground uh, horror version of RuPaul's Drag Race. If you want to really get down to like some, I don't know, kind of base levels of what it is, it's, it's really nothing like Drag Race. It's another drag competition reality show. But the boules are actually fair. It seems like there's a lot less production that's going on in the uh, casting and in how they run the challenges and who gets the top and the bottom. Very often, most fans find themselves aligning with the boules' decisions because the two of them are incredibly fair and, and detailed with their critiques. They don't often pick on somebody for one thing that they've done wrong, but then praise someone else for doing that exact same thing, like you'll see on Drag Race quite often. And it's a really good time. It, there are elements of filth to it. So the four tenants that the show runs off of is glamour, horror, filth, drag. And they obviously want to see the drag first, but there is the the horror element to it. So they want to see some spookiness. There's the glamour version because they want to see really gorgeous drag monsters doing really filthy, scary things. And there's the element of filth. And every queen that's shown up or every king or drag performer has shown up and done their own twists on these challenges. And it's really cool. Right now they're doing their version of an all-star season. They're calling it Dragula Titans. And it's so cool. A bunch of my favorite performers are on it, so it's very cool to see them on TV again and getting to see them get another shot at the competition. But also it's another look into queer culture in general and getting to feel more connected 
with other queer people, even if it's just through a media, like watching on Amazon, which it's, I think it's on Shutter, which is an, a little extra extension onto Amazon. It's not too much. I think we only pay like four, $4 a month, maybe. I can't remember how much Shutter is, but it, it's it just, it's an extra add-on. And I think getting an opportunity to connect with other queer people in such a raw way, because again, the show is not as produced as Drag Race is. Drag Race is definitely queer culture, but they water it down for a straight audience because they understand that most of their market are straight people who are watching. There's a lot of queer people that watch, but there's also plenty of straight people who watch it because what Drag Race has been homogenized into and what it has been sort of created now, this monster that is the race, is really catered towards people who are at home, who it's very easy for them to consume drag in a very uh, packaged way and in a really um, watered down way. Because drag is gross. (laughs) Drag is camp. Drag is all of these parts of society that straight people don't want to see. We talk about, as performers, I say the we, the royal we as performers and queens and kings. We sort of refer to drag as sort of unmasking the truth and poking fun at it. That really all of this is an illusion. Everything that we have constructed in this world is an illusion to make us feel better about it. None of it is quote unquote real. It's real to people. And it's it's very real to those humans who, um, you know, want to make something of it. But gender and that identity and sexuality and what people are supposed to do, that is all manufactured and constructed and fake. And I had a, a discussion recently about this where someone was saying that, you know, it's not necessarily like the best thing to say that that's fake, but it is. <laughs> it, it, it is. And... We've created these ideas of what these are. And yes, chromosomes exist, right? We have X and Y and whatever scientific things those mean for the person who was born into that body, that they might have a menstrual cycle and maybe they won't. Maybe they'll get certain types of bone diseases that are specific to their chromosomes, or maybe they'll have certain types of different body parts not work as they get older and some will work differently as they get older and that's all you know the genetic piece of it but that doesn't define who we are as people and we've kind of talked about this on this podcast before that when you look at like what a male is so we'll break this down there's this idea that you start out young you go through the puberty thing And then you start going and spreading your oats and you have to be stopped because if if you're not told about the birds and the bees at a young age, you're going to start getting people pregnante. And if you do, then you have to provide because a man provides for their family and XYZ continues on that a man has to be this type of way that they have to conduct themselves a certain way. They're is this instinctual hunter-gatherer thing that men are hunters and they go and they hunt for the bacon for the poor women folk who can't do it themselves. You know, and like there's all these constructed ideas of what a man is supposed to do. 
And all of that has been made up by us as people to understand the world and to make sense of it, to say, well, you are built with this stature, so you have to do these things. In the animal kingdom, we often see, especially with lions and lionesses, lionesses are the ones who go out and they hunt. They do the work. And the big, broader males stay home with the cubs. Then go out, they defend, they protect the tribe. But the, the female lions are going out. And we see in peacocks, the female peacocks are not the pretty ones. It's the male ones. They're flamboyant. They've got all these beautiful colors on them. And in human capacity, we say, well, men have to go hunt. Men have to go do the thing. Men can't be pretty. Men have to be subdued. These are all things that don't exist in the animal kingdom, and we're not that far from them. But the difference between them and us is that we like, uh, we, we, have, we have different thoughts. We, we, we like things. We can construct a concept in our brain and execute it perfectly. And with that comes power. And to maintain power, you have to create a social order. And to create social order, you have to get people to exist in boxes so that they'll fall in line. You say, this person is the leader and all the rest of you have to do these things to support the leader. It's pyramid scheme style, right? So you get people to buy into this concept. You are man. You hunt. You are woman. You stay home with kids. Because I need you to support each other so that you support the community, which then I can control and allow to thrive and progress. And it's not necessarily even a bad thing. Look at ancient cultures who just needed to survive. They needed to make it to the next day. They needed to not get slaughtered by the wild animals that were going to kill them or the diseases that were plaguing their society or the babies that were just dying within days of being born, women that were dying in childbirth. You had to protect the tribe you had to protect the culture so that you could keep progressing because you didn't want to die off. You didn't want to lose your memory. And that persists now. You know, you have males who don't want their tribe to die. You say, I am John Smith and this is my child, Michael Smith. And Michael Smith has to be straight and get married to a woman and have babies so that they can have kids. And if they don't, my lineage dies. And that's that's ancestral. That goes back all the way to tribes again, where you're thinking about keeping your tribe alive. And that's why you see a lot of times in history where there are these men <laughs> in power who have so many uh, female partners who they're just trying to get a baby with and you see a lot of this happen with monarchies and women will just get completely thrown off to the side with their female baby that they have or their their male baby that didn't quite turn out as good as they wanted to um, and they'll sort of 
just ignore them and be like, all right, go off to the countryside so we can ignore you. You didn't have a male. And they'll just keep going because they need their lineage to continue. This is, again, deep-rooted into us as a culture, as a human species. And these translate into gender roles now. And, you know, you look at all of these things like a man has to do these things. And what is it for? It's to continue to perpetuate this idea that your lineage has to continue. And maybe we're not necessarily aware that these are the reasons why, but a lot of this goes back to that. And so we create these roles. People fall in line and they continue to support the power that be, even if they're not necessarily certain of what that power be is anymore. So all of this is fake. All this is not real. We've constructed all of this based off of some unconscious decisions that people have been doing for generations and generations that we are so unaware of. And when you get someone in drag, they're sort of unmasking all that. They're dressed as this beautiful, glamorous woman, big hair, big jewelry, opulent looking garments. And then they're lip syncing to a song about how they're genitalia is eight miles wide, which is a great song, by the way. I've definitely done it. (laughs) Look it up. It's called My Vagina is Eight Miles Wide. And everybody in the audience loses it because they're like, oh, my gosh, this is so funny. There's this beautiful, glamorous woman here who's singing about her massive, giant vagina. (laughs) And I, I, I have to laugh at that because it's farcical. There's no one that's got an eight-mile-wide vagina. But again, it's it's sort of poking at this idea of what femininity is. You look at a woman and you don't think a, a woman should be crass. A woman should do these things, X, Y, Z, whatever they may be, whatever your idea of, of what feminine looks like. Or you get a drag king who comes out and they're just doing really lewd stuff on stage and you think, well, men are men are a certain type of way, but they would never do that publicly for everybody to see. And you laugh at it because it's farcical. Or you get, you know, the political types of performers who go out and really make you look at what the problem is. I did a number years ago, and I did a number about gay rights. And I live in California where that's not really a problem, but it's so easy for us to forget because we get comfortable. We get comfortable in our environments and we think, "Mm, I don't really need to pay too much attention to it anymore. I'm fine. I can get married. I can walk down the street and I'm fine. But there are people in other parts of the country that don't get that. Our trans family often (laughs) times do not get to be themselves or express themselves. I don't particularly follow this person, but I mean, Dylan the really famous uh, trans woman on TikTok, is getting bullied left and right by people for just transitioning publicly and being excited about that and celebrating that. And these people are, are trans, I call them family, being under the queer umbrella. Our trans family don't get to live comfortably in most states. And so I did this number to show we're not, We're not fine right now until everybody is equal. And I did this number where I'm lip syncing to, oh, God, it was, mm, I forget, Fifth Harmony? No, uh, 
no, not Fifth Harmony. I forget who it is. It's one of those one of those groups. They did a song with Jason Derulo, but then they did a solo version of it. Oh my God, what is it? We we keep behind closed door. Secret love song. Um, <laughs> did a secret love song, and I can't remember who performed it, but um. Yeah, I basically had all these slides in the background, and it was black and white photos of couples, queer couples throughout history. And I found photos from generations ago of these people that were just so in love. And that was what the slideshow was. And then it gets to the the really important build-up part of the song, and the slides start showing a bunch of people in current modern age that are protesting against queer people, saying that we don't deserve rights, ETC. And it shows all of that. And then the final last bit of the slides that show up during the number are um, powerful people that are moving forward and are fighting still for queer rights. And it's to remind us that we are not safe until everybody's safe, even if we're comfortable in our environments. And in drag, you get to really just pull all of that all of, all of that red tape down, the curtain, if you will. I talk about Wizard of Oz a lot because it's such a good metaphor for the life experience. You pull open this curtain, you rip it open, and you show everybody. This is the wizard, people. Look at this bitch. <laughs> this guy is a, a little tiny stumpy person that is telling you all how to live your lives and has kept you all in fear and has kept you in boxes so that you continue to support this power that be, this is what you're doing. Look at it. Be aware of it. Here's a mirror and look at yourself, Barbara. And it's important to have people in our lives that do that for us and drag performers do that. So all that to say, it's really cool to watch Dragula because you get all these performers that are so raw. They're not being filtered through a, what is safe for straight people? in Drag Race because the audience is a certain way, there are some queen stories that I don't get, I don't think they get shared. Because it's not safe to tell a straight person. And it's funny that Rue likes to sort of talk about Wizard of Oz as well and talk about revealing the nature of reality and showing everyone this is the wizard. But the way the production works on Drag Race really doesn't do a very good job at doing that anymore. I think they used to. But I don't, I don't think they do it so much anymore. And so these queens come on and they've got really great stories to tell, but they don't tell them because mm, it's not that's not marketable. Straight people don't want to hear that. They don't want to see that. They, they just want to see a pretty queen walk down a runway in a beautiful gown and keep her mouth shut and walk away. And they want, they want it to be pageanty. And there's a time and a place for pageant drag for sure. But what the Boulets do, they just let them be. They let them exist as who they are, share their stories, be vulnerable in the most sickening way possible. And it's cool to see queer people completely unmasked, safe in their space because they're amongst other queer people who are there to build them up and support them. And I think that's what I resonate with Dragula so much. As, as gross as it can be, in season two, <laughs> there was a queen for her final runway performance. They have to do a glamour look. They have to do a horror look and a filth look. And this queen went out for her filth look and she was dressed as a janitor. And she had like a, a mop and a bucket 
not for her WAP, but for the floor. And apparently it was one that was actually being used on set. And she took a big pitcher, dipped it into the dirty water and drank it. It was so gross to watch. I had to look away because it was filthy. It was disgusting. She's like pouring it all over herself. It's vile. It was so disgusting. But that's what happens when you allow queer people to be around other people who are like them. They are just free to be their full, authentic self, (laughs) as filthy as it may be. And that's the kind of stuff that Divine did, too. Divine did a lot of things that were just filthy. Because she could. And she wanted to. And she was trying to show us that life is not that serious. And I'm not telling y'all, go eat poop like Divine did, because, you know, that's nasty. Don't go drinking mop and bucket water, because that's disgusting, like... If you get syphilis or something or <laughs> E. coli or whatever, like that's on you, bestie. Don't do that, please. But these types of people that have gotten a spotlight for whatever it is that they're doing, you know, especially the the Dragula performers, they're showing us that life is not that serious. It's all an illusion. Drag is the ultimate form of de-dragging. And you put on a costume And you put on this crazy makeup, a wig, and a dress, jewels, nails, lashes, all of these really insane things to show people you are the one that's really in drag. You're the one who's sitting here in whatever you're wearing thinking that you are making a a huge rift in the world by, it's uh, that... Miranda Priestley quote, like, you've made a decision that you think you've made on your own, but really it's been inspired by a team of people from a room of stuff, whatever the quote is, right? Where it's like, you are the one who's really in drag. You're the one who's masked right now. You are not allowing yourself to be free. Look at me, I'm making a spectacle of myself to show you. This is not that serious. And not every queen is thinking about that. Some people just get into drag because they want to be pretty girls. And, you know, they just <laughs> they just want to do that. And Drag Race is like a, a pretty, uh, pretty good example of that. There are definitely people that show up on the race because, you know, they're, they just want to be glamorous and, and pretty and they want to make some money while doing it. And that's fine. Some things are just jobs for people. And that's that's totally all right. But there are a lot of people, I think, who are plainly aware, queer people in particular, who do drag. And there are a lot of straight people that do it, too. And I think that's why I, I was a little bit hesitant about Maddie Morphosis being on the last season. But the more that I the more that I watch Maddie and the more that I pay attention to them, the more I understand that Maddie is just very comfortable in their sexuality. And they also want straight people to understand this is not that serious. This is all what we're doing in life is a big joke. <laughs> this is one big gag that we have been conditioned for generations and generations to believe in that we have to do these things and we don't it's all fake it's all made up you can do whatever you want in this life and that's so cool to finally get that realization so I've been just turning up to this season all that to say (laughs) literally all that to say this season's fantastic of Dracula and I really, I'm excited for for more of the season. This ended up turning out into something completely different that I was going to talk to uh, talk to y'all about. But what else is new for me? 
<laughs> I do this so often where I'll come in and I'll be like, I'm going to talk about this today. And then I deviate so far from my outline. Like I'm literally looking at my outline right now of what I wanted to talk about today. And I'm like, yep, that's not happening. <laughs> but I guess we, uh, I guess, I guess we're getting cl- close to a stopping point. Um, but I think, yeah, yeah, we are actually, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and start getting up to the wrap up, but life is an illusion. Do what you want. Party. Have a good time. Enjoy it. Because we only get so much time on this world. And if we are so caught up thinking about what I have to do, that I have to present this way or I have to present that way, I have to do this activity to be happy or to provide or whatnot, you are only going to make yourself miserable. And the key to happiness is to live authentically and to not allow anybody to tell you how you're supposed to do it. That decision is yours. And once you realize that, that's super freeing. And there are obviously certain things you got to do. Like you can't just be like, <laughs> I'm going to live rent free because that's what I want. And no one can tell me otherwise. Like there are obviously like some social orders that we have to follow. <laughs> we have to pay rent. We got <laughs> to gotta go to our nine to five sometimes, you know, we got to do these things. But as far as who you are, This gear in these continuously moving cogs, that is unique. You are completely unique. And you get to determine what that looks like, how that's referred to. That's really freaking cool. Anyway, I hope you have a great week. Thank you for listening. And I will talk to you very soon. Goodbye.